what are they thinking? Why would they do something like that? Wouldn't it be nice to know what's on the inside of someone's head and just understand why they do the things that drive you crazy? You're in luck. Welcome to my series on how to get along with people based on each Enneagram type, my favorite personality test that is so incredibly spot on, it's going to blow your mind. I share with you literally how to get along with each type and even interview someone from each type so you can get the tea straight from the source. Welcome to Create Your Fate. If you have been posting through life but are ready to make small conscious changes to step out of fear and into living your best life ever, this show is for you. Who am I? I'm Life Coach Meg Ellis, here to help retrain old self-limiting beliefs into a positive mindset so you can confidently become the person who you want to be by first understanding who you already are. How? By using the law of attraction and my favorite personality test, the Enneagram. And I'll even teach you some mind tricks along the way. Ultimately, I guide you to stop thinking about what you don't want and instead focus on what you do want. You can create your best life ever, and it begins with your mind. Are you ready? It's time to create your fate. All right, let's get into the mind of an Enneagram 4 so we can understand what's going on in there. Honestly, I decided to do this series because I kept finding myself in conversations with people who were trying to understand their loved ones, and I would give them advice based on their Enneagram, and it seemed to really help. So I figured, hey, what better way to help everybody be able to do this than to dedicate an entire podcast series to it? If you are new to the Enneagram, check out mini episode 123 to learn all about the basics of an Enneagram 4, who is also known as the individualist. The core desire of a four is to find themselves and their significance, and their core fear is to be without a unique identity. I'm going to be sharing some additional information on how to get along with Enneagram fours that comes from one of my go-to sources, ninetypes.com, and then we'll hop right into my interview with an individualist. Okay, so fours. Individualists have sensitive feelings and are warm and perceptive. How to get along with me by an Enneagram 4. Give me plenty of compliments. They mean a lot to me. Be a supportive friend or partner. Help me learn to love and value myself. Respect me for my special gifts of intuition and vision. Though I don't always want to be cheered up when I'm feeling melancholy, I sometimes like to have someone lighten me up a little. Don't tell me I'm too sensitive or that I'm overreacting. What I like about being a 4. My ability to find meaning in life and to experience feeling at a deep level. My ability to establish warm connections with people. Admiring what is noble, truthful, and beautiful in life. My creativity, intuition, and my sense of humor. Being unique and being seen as unique by others. Having aesthetic sensibilities. Being able to easily pick up the feelings of the people around me. What's hard about being a four? Experiencing dark moods of emptiness and despair. Feelings of self-hatred and shame, believing I don't deserve to be loved. Feeling guilty when I disappoint people. Feeling hurt or attacked when someone misunderstands me. Expecting too much of myself in life. Fearing being abandoned. Obsessing over resentments. Longing for what I don't have. 
All right, ready for my interview with my friend Christy? Let's figure out what's going on in the mind of an Enneagram 4. Today, my friend Christy joins me to share what goes on in the mind of an Enneagram 4. Christy, who often goes by CJ, is a creative optimist with a giant heart. She is a mother to a 10-year-old son, an avid skier and golfer, and loves to travel. She is passionate about helping other women, especially with financial abundance. Ready to dive into the mind of an individualist? Check it out. CJ, my beloved Enneagram 4, thank you for being on my show. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Good. You know, it took me a long time to find an Enneagram 4 to come on my show, right? (laughs) We're hard to find. We're so unique. (laughs) You're so unique. So we're going to be educating everybody on how to get along with an Enneagram 4, which, as you know, is called the individualist. So why do you think just, you know, your first thought when you even discovered the Enneagram, why do you think you're called the individualist as an Enneagram 4? I think even before I ever knew what Enneagram was or even took the test, it really just confirmed what I'd always felt about myself. I think for myself, I always felt different. I felt like I was very different from a lot of people. I was unique, didn't always fit in. And then when I took the test, it just was like, oh, well, this all makes sense. That is my personality. Yeah. So this feeling of not quite belonging, I'm different, nobody understands me. And if you feel like nobody understands you, then how is anybody going to get along with you? Right, exactly. (laughs) Nobody gets me. (laughs) Yeah, so what has that been like in your personal relationships or even professional relationships in the past of, you know, how often have you experienced, oh, this person doesn't understand me and what do you do? I think it works both ways. It can be an advantage. If no one understands me, nobody gets me. I think especially like in a workplace environment, it always can offer a unique perspective or a different perspective from sort of the the norm or group think. But on the other end of that spectrum, sometimes I can feel like no one gets me or why, why aren't you getting this? And it's, it can often lead to just go along to get along because it's just easier than trying to really communicate your preference or communicate your perspective with, with people. Mm -hmm. So when you feel like you are being misunderstood or that nobody is going to understand you, do you just surrender and just kind of give up on getting people to try to understand or what is, you know, fighting for people to understand you look like? I think it just depends on the person I'm in the conversation with, because you can kind of tell when someone's receptive and willing to hear, and then it's easier. But then a lot of other times it's, they just don't get it. And it can lead to a lot of frustration and it can lead to me feeling like I'm banging my head against a wall or talking to the wall. So I guess it's sometimes easier just to give up and just say, let's just agree to disagree. In the past, I would say I just would almost comply or just go along with the other person. But as I get older, I realize it's better for me just to agree to disagree than to go along to get along. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Agreeing to disagree, I can see how that could also be a point of contention for someone who doesn't know 
it took me a lot to even get here to be able to disagree or to agree to disagree. What are some of the alternatives? You know, if that's kind of in certain relationships, the peak of the iceberg here is, hey, we're just going to agree to disagree. What are some of the other scenarios that could be less desirable? Then agree to disagree. Mm -hmm. Well, the one that I've already spoken to is go along to get along or just agree to agree with them and not standing in my own beliefs or what what's important to me. When you run up against the resistance, it often can lead to frustration. And instead of agreeing to disagree, if I push too hard or try to just get someone to see my point of view, I know it can come off sort of as too much or aggressive or that person, that person gets really bent out of shape. And that's not a great outcome because Tensions can get escalated. People can get very angry or frustrated, myself included. And so, but it's different in every situation, just depending on the receptivity of the other person. That's an interesting point of, I'm just going to go along with this and just agree just to keep things, you know, easier or not bring up any type of tension. But for an Enneagram 4 who's core desire is to have personal significance, right? And your core fear is to not have any identity of your own. When you sacrifice your identity and just, I'm just going to go along with it and agree with you. What happens after that? It does not feel good, you know, and especially with my own journey and my own life experiences, it doesn't feel good when you're out of integrity with your own values. And one of the things that I've really been working on is to be true to my values and what's important to me. So I feel like when I do that, it can lead to resentment of the other person and also self-resentment. So it's been a process to learn to stand in what's right for me, even if another person doesn't get me or doesn't agree with me and that it's, it's okay to feel that way. I can imagine feeling misunderstood constantly. Fours are more of an internalized type where you internalize a lot of things with yourself because, hey, if I feel like nobody can understand me, I'm not going to go outside of myself to even deepen this feeling, right? Fours can get a reputation for being temperamental or moody. So what do you say when when you get misinterpreted in those regards? I mean, I can definitely see how someone might view me as moody or temperamental because I know for myself, there's a tendency if I'm not understood or if my point doesn't get across or if I don't get my way, there can be a tendency to just shut down and just be like, well, conversation's over. So in that sense, it can definitely be perceived as being moody. But I think you very accurately describe what I am like. I am an internalizer for sure. I like to go inward. And I think maybe that gives the appearance of me being more closed off and not it might make people think that I am closed off or shut down or maybe not so warm to them, but it's not necessarily that. It's just, I think I, I internalize and I probably keep my cards very close to my chest more so than other people would. Mm-hmm. With your, you know, keeping everything close to your chest, does that mean you're probably not going to 
be very open or extroverted even, but unguarded with a lot of people? Do you have more closer, closer friendships or relationships, but fewer in number? Definitely. I, I would say I, there is not a tendency to be unguarded. I, I think I'm more of an observe and then engage rather than a true extrovert, which likes to, I think, engage right off the get go. I like to observe, think about it and then engage if I decide that is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And what would make you decide if you want to engage? Um, (laughs) sometimes it's just a feeling other times it's just, you know, there's sort of like an alignment in values or things we like to do. And it might just be like the chemistry between a person and I, and it's also just seeing like how a person speaks and acts would make me decide if that is a person I want to um, invest my time with. Mm Mm-hmm. If you know, oh, we're going to have to agree to disagree a lot, I'm probably not going to spend a lot of my time with you. Well, there's there's two ways you can agree to disagree. Because often agree to disagree means I agree to disagree and I'm cool with it, but the other person might not be cool with it. But if you're in a relationship with someone who is has open and authentic communication, you can agree to disagree and it's perfectly okay. Because you agree. <laughs> you agree. Uh, yeah. So agree to disagree. Sometimes it's like maybe agree to disagree is not the right word. It's sort of like I disagree with you and I'm okay with it. And then right. there is agree to disagree. Right. We are agreeing and we're, we're moving on. But let's say, you know, you're in this relationship with someone and you constantly do not agree on things and you have you you're in constant disagreement and I I won't even go as far as you both willingly agreed to disagree you're in a disagreement and if it's repetitive how do you find reconnection with somebody I think if it's a constant state of disagreeing I know we're just talking in generalities right now, but I think I would say maybe I would have to evaluate that relationship and see if the season is coming to an end on that relationship. Mm -hmm. Right. And you're not afraid to cut a relationship off if it's not serving you. Now I'm not afraid to do that. Yes. What was it like before you weren't afraid to do it? Why wouldn't you want to cut off a relationship that you know wasn't serving you? I think because... I am a true believer in the goodness of people, but it would almost be to a fault. And maybe the four in me sees the four in another. I don't know. But I think I hang on. The tendency was to hang on to the potential of a person instead of actually seeing what was happening in reality. Well, fours are very creative and innovative people and really good visionaries. So do you think that that says something about focusing on people's potential versus who's in front of you? I think so. Maybe I I do. I think like I see like, you know, I see the person's good qualities, but it almost blind, it can and has blinded me to their, let's just say not so great qualities that maybe the foreign me sees like, oh, this person has so much potential. They can do great things that person's so good at this or that. And then I tend to ignore maybe the red flags or maybe accept behavior that's 
really not acceptable. So this, these stereotypes about Enneagram 4s, some of them are inaccurate to you, and we'll discuss those ones too. <laughs> yeah. but, there's a lot, right? There's a lot going on. But these ones that are really accurate, then nobody understands me, right? If nobody understands me, how could somebody understand you? What, how would you want somebody to try and understand you? Oh, that's a good question. How would somebody want to try to understand? How could they try to understand me? I mean, the first thing would be to at least be willing to try to understand me and maybe see things from my point of view or my perspective or see that in the same situation, we might experience something completely differently. So if the willingness isn't even there, then truly no one will get me. And then I also think for me, it's been learning that just learning to accept myself as I am and not needing other people to get me. If being unique and different is so important to you, how can somebody recognize that in a way that you would like or even help you remember that? I think really in any relationship, it would be just to accept me as I am and whatever, I don't know, call it the uniqueness or the the differences instead of comparing those differences, maybe celebrating and encouraging those differences and letting me be me, I guess. Mm -hmm. What about even saying something as far as, you know, oh, good job or the classic, hey, you're doing a good job, but to make it extremely personalized of, wow, this is really unique. I've never seen anything like that before. How would, would that just make you light up like a Christmas tree? Like, oh my God, nobody else Yeah, yeah I, I think for me, I mean, I know like the whole love language thing, like verbal a- affirmations is not very high on my list. But yes, there would be a difference between saying like, you did a great job versus like, you did a great job. I've never seen it done this way before. Like I would get a lot more out of that latter compliment than I would just a generic mm-hmm. at a girl. Right. Or this is super creative. This is super yeah. innovative or anything that would make it kind of cater to that individualist the uniqueness i guess i need a unique compliment yeah. <laughs> you can't compliment a, an anagram for like you compliment everybody else they need i need a unique, unique compliment, compliment. <laughs> yeah. that's so funny so let's talk about the another um stereotype of anagram fours that you felt was spot on about i'm sensitive and i am reserved so what does sensitive mean? Because it can get a bad rep in itself, the word sensitive. But what does sensitive mean for you? Sensitive for me means I am very highly attuned to my feelings and also maybe what other people are feeling. And so I think when I say I'm sensitive, it's not just being attuned to my feelings, but I can also feel hurt very deeply if someone wrongs me. So I'm very sensitive in that sense. So that would be, I guess, how I would define my own sensitivity. And I'm also sensitive to like how other people might feel. Like I don't like seeing other people hurting or suffering either. Well, yeah. So if you, I can see how that would also get misconstrued. If you define yourself as sensitive and I feel very deeply, 
if someone does some type of, you know, there's some type of wrong involved, you've been wronged or they treated you a certain way and then almost diminished how much that wound hurts, like trying to tell you, oh, it's not that big of a deal. You are being too sensitive. You are being dramatic. What does that do to you? Before that would really bother me and hurt me. And it would make me question like, am I being too sensitive or am I making a big deal out of it? But now I, now further along the road of, you know, down my journey, it's what's true for me is what's true for me. And it's sort of, I have to ignore what other people might feel is too sensitive or I'm making too, too big of a deal. Cause it's really about how I feel. Mm-hmm. Spoken like a true for. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Okay. So let's talk about that. Because um, one of the the stereotypes you did not like about fours is people say, "Oh, we're egotistical or we're snobs," right? What has your experience been with that? Of we're snobs, or we like to get all the spotlight, or we like attention, or we have big egos. You found that like hurtful and inaccurate. Tell me more about that. And, and I'm not saying all four, maybe there are fours out there who do have big egos or who do crave the spotlight or who are big drama queens or divas. I think for me, I am much more reserved and I don't think I have a big ego. I actually think I'm pretty humble and grounded, but I think maybe when I'm closed off or as I said, like slow to warm, people perceive that as maybe being a snob or whereas really just more, I'm very much more introverted and slow to warm. Mm-hmm. Right. What about the, describe something so unique and interesting. And I thought the way this was phrased was really, could shine a really nice light on fours and give us some insight. You said, we might feel different but that doesn't mean we want to be alone. Right. So if you internalize and I feel different from you, maybe a little disconnected because of the way you're reacting to me. I don't want to be alone though. So how does someone manage that? It's hard because, you know, we do feel different, but we don't want to be alone, but it's, I guess, a forced conundrum. We don't want to feel alone But at the same time, like, especially for me, sometimes you do feel like a loner or misunderstood. So how do you, how do you feel not alone when you have, you also experience the polarity of feeling very different? So it's just those two poles that you're trying to find that balance. How would you guide somebody else to find that balance and be able to cater to that balance? I think like from my own experience, my tendency is to go, I don't want to be alone, but ironically, the tendency is to be more alone. So I think for me, I can say what I've been really working on is I absolutely know for my own self-care and what's good for me and recharging batteries, I definitely need my alone time, but I've also learned that I need to let people in and say yes a little bit more to invitations, maybe not be so guarded all the time, because really when I'm too guarded, too closed off, all I'm doing is 
a self-fulfilling loop of being alone. Mm -hmm. Right. I heard this thing about Enneagram fours once I read it somewhere and it was a wild, like this picture of when you enter into a, a state of stress, right? You can begin to spiral in your thoughts because you internalize, right? You don't externalize. And, you know, there's a lot going on in there. If you, especially if you keep it in and don't let it out. And when you can start to spiral, right, you go down your rabbit hole and you don't invite anybody in with you, but you desperately wish somebody would come down to find you. Mm -hmm. When I paint that picture, how would you give us light to your experience with that? I think, you know, definitely a few years ago, I can picture myself going down the rabbit hole, you know, thinking the thousand thoughts, how am I going to think my way out of this? Or how am I going to, you know, and I would think and I would feel and it's very easy to stay in the rabbit hole. But what I've learned is I I know about myself, I'm not going to be that person that has 100 friends, 50 friends, or even 20 friends. But I have learned to cultivate my own village. And I have at least now learned that it's okay to ask for someone to come get me out of the rabbit hole or even, you know, calling them before I even descend into the rabbit hole. Now I've come far enough to know that just, hey, like I'll, I'll call someone up and be like, I'm feeling this and I really need to bounce this off of you before I start to spiral. So it's about stopping the spiral before it even starts now. That's good advice for an Enneagram 4. So hopefully any 4 who's listening to this could learn to do the, the same thing. Because So it sounds like if someone is in a deep and meaningful relationship with a 4 and there's some type of disconnection, allow the disconnection, right? You take your alone time. Don't push and force you to talk right now because I, I want to bombard this or I can't wait patiently to resolve this. Right. Because I know for me, if you do that, if you push, 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 and I'm not ready to engage, it's just going to push me further into aloneness. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So give space, but then, and then maybe invite connection after some space has been given. Like, Hey, I'm still here. And maybe offer connection to see if you're ready to take it rather than forcing it. Mm -hmm. And also understanding that when I'm asking for space, it's not about you. It's about me simply needing space. Mm, Yeah. I think a lot of people, when you say, hey, I, I need some space, they're like, well, what is it about me? Like, what's wrong? It's not about you. It's about, you know. It's like me needing space. Maybe I need space from you, but I need space. It's for me. The space is for me. I think that's really solid advice. Talk to me about the relationships that that you do want to cultivate. You said we crave deep and meaningful relationships. What does deep and meaningful mean for you? For me now, I would say deep and meaningful means for the people I'm in relationships to accept me as I am. And know that I am not a perfect human and I will make mistakes, but know that when I make mistakes, I am more than willing to acknowledge them and come back and make the repair and the amend. Deep and meaningful means to have aligned core values and deep and meaningful means that 
we lift each other up and support each other and celebrate all our wins, there's a lot of, it's not just a one-way giving. There's a lot of receiving because I know in the past, I've had a lot of relationships that it was all about me giving, but not receiving anything back. And not that I'm saying I need to, like, I have to always get, 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 but it has to be this mutual. We lift each other up. We support each other. Right. Reciprocated. It's reciprocal. It's not so one-sided. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That goes along with what you, what you chose for the, how to get along with me. It's be a supportive friend or partner and help me learn to love and value myself. So anything else you want to expand on in regards to that? I think like the helping me to love myself is just as I want, of course, I want you to accept me, but also it's like, help me to accept myself and that it's okay to be unique. It's okay to be different. Like that's really it. It's okay to be different because I think my experience from my childhood and the culture I grew up in, it's really was one of conformity. And I think as a four to be brought, now I can look back on it and look that being brought up in this, my parents and my culture, like conformity is like the antithesis of being a four. And so now I think as an adult, it's just really learning to embrace everybody's different and learning to embrace that I am different. I am unique and, and being okay with it because I think historically it's been about, I can't be different. I have to fit in. I have to conform to what the rules are. Right. And that, you know, one thing that you said was hard about being a four is feeling guilty when you disappoint people. So if you are naturally somebody who wants to be different and wants to embrace your differences, being in a world of conformity, you're constantly disappointing people. Right. Or you're not staying true to yourself. Right. Yeah. And I think like a lot of times it was, that was what I meant. I said earlier is like being in integrity with myself and I don't want to be out of integrity with myself anymore um, because it, it just comes at such a high cost. So it just, especially like in the last few years, it's really just been learning who I am and being okay with who I am and really being unique is okay and not caring about what other people think if I'm unique or different or have different values. Right. But also learning on the flip side too, that you're okay as you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's a good lesson for any other Enneagram type, something that we can all learn from before is, hey, we're all good who and where we are, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the more you spend time in your authentic self, within your integrity, then you can truly, you know, live out what you love about being an Enneagram for finding meaning in life and feeling that and experiencing that at a deep level. And if that is so important to you, and you can really only do that when you're being your authentic self, I'm sure that's quite the different feeling of how you experience life when you are being your authentic self versus when you are conforming to, oh, I can't be different than others, or I feel guilty. So as you're speaking, this quote that I heard, and I often go back to it, it keeps popping up in my head because I think it's one of the, I guess, misconceptions about Enneagram fours, like the whole we're snobs or we have big egos. And to go along with that, you might 
think like we think you're better than you, but for me, that's not the case. So the quote I always sort of try to remember is all of God's children are special and none of God's children are special. So we're all unique, but my uniqueness doesn't make me better than you. It's just different. Mm -hmm. Mm. I think when people think of snobs, it's like, oh, nose up in the air. You don't care about what I think about you as a bad thing when really it's like, do you know how long it took me to be able to not care about what you think about me? <laughs> you know, that's like a, that's like a, a, a blog moment. It took a lot of work. Yes. 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 It's not snobbery. It's personal development. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And the, I just, right now, like talking to you, it makes me think of when I go on an airplane with my son and you know what we're sitting sort of up at the front of economy and he'll go, mom, I need to go to the bathroom and I'll let him go. And I'll watch this kid open the curtain to first class and march into the front and use the bathroom. And I'm like, there's a kid who just doesn't care. Like, he he does not care. Like what other people think. And I just think like to get there as an adult, it does. It takes a lot of work and falling down. <laughs> I'm thinking about my last plane experience where I'm like, I don't think I'm allowed to go up there. What will people think if I just so, so channel my sis, rip over the curtain and march up there. I gotta go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. But there's like a part of me that like seriously admires that because I'm like, wow, yeah. there's a kid who just, he doesn't care. Standing in your truth. I gotta go to the bathroom and this one's yeah. closer. You know? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's funny. Two questions here to wrap, but is there anything that you would want to say to an Enneagram for to inspire them to be themselves and to truly tap into their individuality? I mean, that's what we are as a four. We are, I think it's called the individualist, right? Mm -hmm. And so I would say not just as a four, but I think especially for a four, it would be to embrace who you are not who other people think you should be. And I think that it's really easy to do things that are expected of you or things you should be, but only you know who you are and what you want and what your values are. And maybe you don't know what those are, but it's you have to learn to walk to the beat of your own drummer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the only way you're, you'll find out is if you spend time trying to find out. Right. And I guess, you know, it's like, what's the saying? Like, let your freak flag fly, like let your freak flag fly. And that's okay because everyone's their own weirdo. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny because adulthood is just realizing that everybody wants to be weird, but nobody feels safe enough to be weird. <laughs> if you look at young kids, right? They're doing weird things on the playground or, you know, imagining whole things with no, no toys or props or anything, or making up all these imaginary games and everyone just wants to be weird. But we get to this point where we don't acknowledge it as being okay. Right. Yeah. Well, Brene Brown, I listened to a podcast and I, I try to live it. And I also try to teach it to my son, who's very young, but But she said as parents, and this doesn't even apply as a parent, but for anyone, we shouldn't be espousing trying to fit in 
because when you're fitting in, you are actually changing who you are to try to belong. But if you are belong, if you belong and you're accepted, you shouldn't have to change who you are. Right, right. And that's, that's solid advice for any Enneagram type. Mm-hmm. So, and also, you know, what you went, going back to what you said before is advice for anybody getting along with an Enneagram for is let them be different. Let them be who they are. Let them explore and find out. And how can you help that process? Is there anything else that you would like to advise anybody who is aiming to get along with an Enneagram for? What do you want to tell them? Your lasting thoughts, anything? As a four, we are... We do see ourselves as different, but we, I don't think I'm more special than you or better than you. And then just to see, you know, if you think someone, maybe in my case, maybe I'm a bit quirky or eccentric, or I've got my little way of doing things or thinking about things, just being open to it and encouraging those differences instead of feeling like those differences are a source of separation between us. Mm-hmm. Right. How can you seek connection versus disconnection? So to cultivate that deep, meaningful relationship, and it's not going to be with everybody, but give it a chance and see what right. beauty can come of it. So, And I guess the thing would be, it's literally, it's not about you. <laughs> like, you know, we are who we are, but it's not about you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And maybe with a four because we do feel like we're different or unique, maybe it's perceived, maybe on the receiving end of that from a four, it it might be easier to take it personally, but really I would say don't take it personally. Let people be themselves and be yourself, right? Yes. Yes. That's that's kind of the motto of just life in general, (laughs) right? Just life in general, right. Yeah. The see the Enneagram fours can teach us so much about just life in general. So well, well I hope you. so. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And I think this has been very insightful for Enneagram fours. For someone who maybe recently found out they were an Enneagram four, they're like, oh, this is why I feel so different. Or, oh yeah, there's my rabbit hole. Or somebody who is I, I can't figure out this Enneagram four, right? And the maybe the point is hey, you're probably never going to figure them out, but just allow them to be and be open-minded to who they are, right? Versus right. trying to force this picture that you have of them. So thank you for coming on the show. And I know this episode won't speak to all fours because all fours are still different and you are not a, a regular four. You're a very unique four. So... <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm a four plus. That wraps up how to get along with an Enneagram 4. I hope it was helpful and gave you some insight into the mind of someone who you love. Be sure to send this to your favorite Enneagram 4 or someone else who you know has a close relationship with a 4. And if you loved today's episode, please follow, subscribe, leave a review. That really does help the show grow so much and allows me to continue to get awesome guests and episodes out for you. And of course, if I could leave you with just one thing, it would be this. Expect good things always, and they will happen. Mm